The only difference between the two people that are the same on the page, like they have the same credentials, they have the same educational background, I don't know, skills, knowledge, is how they represent themselves around other people. Hi, this is Bianca. And this is Anna. Your hosts of Girl Talk Monday's podcast. Where we discuss female empowerment, love and relationships, and everything in between. In this podcast, we speak to founders of fashion businesses, content creators, entrepreneurs, psychologists, and authors. To inspire women to reach and fulfill their dream careers. So welcome to Girl Talk Mondays! Today we speak to Jamila Musaeba. Jamila is a certified social etiquette consultant and the author of the book The Least You Need to Know. In this episode, we talk about the fundamentals of body language, etiquette being the ultimate confidence booster, and how to have a proper afternoon tea. So I was born and raised in Azerbaijan. For those that uh, don't know, I went to high school here. And then once I graduated, I went to private high school. So when I graduated, I went to do my uh, bachelor's degree in US. I studied international relations at the George Washington University. And uh, I was very much a nerd in school. So I studied a lot. I love history, I like sociology. So I minored actually in history and sociology. And I was always in into cultures, different traditions. And as a part of international relations education, you get to learn the protocol of behavior, diplomatic protocol, um, different ways of behaving in society. So at a diplomatic gathering. So it's something that we were taught, but it wasn't like a part of curriculum. It's something that we observed and kind of like absorbed as well, observed and absorbed. And then I did my master's in Belgium, uh, in College of Europe in Bruges. Uh, and I again did my studies in European Union, mm-hmm. so administration. And we did a lot of mock-ups, like we traveled around Europe. Uh, we did a lot of like, um, we met a lot of like influential people in the European Union. We had like um, VIP guests coming over to university to meet us and would have lunch together, or dinner together. So those kind of things actually trained me to know how to behave around uh, certain like members of society uh, that were professionals or diplomats or representative of other cultures. Uh, so this is something we kind of learned, uh, but it wasn't really something that was instructed to us. And then when I was working here in Azerbaijan, at ADA University, which is Azerbaijan Diplomatic Academy, I thought of introducing something like that has to do with etiquette to younger generation. So we started doing these courses that was soft skills, it was presentation skills, public speaking and dining etiquette. And that sort of gave me an idea that I actually wanted to be a certified teacher, not just from some things that I've read and learned, but actually get a certificate on this. So this is actually how I decided to pursue a certificate in to become a certified international etiquette consultant. And from there on, it's just the history. (laughs) Yeah, that's quite the story. I I love how you told that from the very beginning and then how it developed over time. Because I feel like a lot of people, they just see where someone has ended up and they don't ever take into account all the hard work and all the studies that went behind it. So I think it's really great for people to really understand all the things that you've done before this. Yeah, we actually checked in with our audience a little bit and also about what we wanted to know. 
Um, and we really wanted to ask you why it is so beneficial for people to learn about etiquette. Mm -hmm. And do you believe it's a lifestyle choice or what do you think? Uh, I do believe it's a choice and it's a choice that you consciously educate yourself to be a better person. And that's why my whole mm -hmm. channel is about self-development. I don't enforce it to anyone. And it's not something you're learning to be, I don't know, more attractive to men or you're doing this because you're going to find the wealthy husband but no, it's not really, it has nothing to do with that. You don't really need to have etiquette for that. Um, and etiquette is a completely different thing. And it, it, it showed me in life because I've been, uh, I've been amongst very smart, educated people from different backgrounds that sometimes uh, the, the only difference between the two people that are the same on the page, like they have the same credentials, they have the same educational background, I don't know, skills, knowledge, is how they represent themselves around other people or the impression they make on other people. And sometimes it could be a, like a break-in you know, moment. It's like you get the job or you don't. You land an interview or you don't. And sometimes it really has nothing to do with you know, your degrees uh, because when people meet you at a party, they're not going to be like, oh, tell me, what is your degree? Like, Where did you get your degree from? The first thing they see and notice about you is the impression you make on them. And then if they like you, they're going to ask you about your background and, and maybe offer you a job or an interview interview or an internship, whatever it is. So I think it's so much more important than education now um, because more or less a lot of people are equally educated. And the thing that will mm -hmm. make a big difference between them is who is the best mannered and the most polite and the kindest and the most eloquent and all of that. So, I mean, of course, it depends on the profession you're going for. I don't want to in any way diminish the value of education because I'm all for education and I'm all for, you know, working yourself, learning more. But uh, sometimes, like, if you are, of course, if you are a scientist in a lab, you don't really interact with many, many people. You're working on your profession. Of course, your skills and your knowledge matter a lot more. But because now the world is shifting in a more direction where people require more soft skills and social intelligence and working in teams and working together. Um, I think in this kind of a world that we're living in today, we require a lot more in terms of our behavior than we did 50 years back when people worked in factories and had to only interact with the machines, you know, to produce something that was of a good quality. So now a lot is about interaction, relationship, and that's why I think etiquette comes handy. Like etiquette is like good manners. It's, we say good good but like it's just proper manners for for an occasion because something that might be good in one culture might not be good in the other so I actually kind of refrain from always using the word good because people get insulted as to for example why is it good to eat like that if in my culture we eat with fingers or hands or on our chopsticks mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily good but it's proper for a given environment that you're in and I always stress that because every culture has its own etiquette what about the ethics? It's completely different things. Ethics is something that you are um, sort of born, not born with, but like you're infiltrated with those ethical values from your family, um, your siblings, your culture, uh, your maybe social status. Like sometimes where you're born, even the neighborhood can influence your ethical values. And those are kind of subconscious values that we get 
um, infiltrated ever since we're little. And this is something I can't really teach to other people because every person comes with their own ethical values. And I'm sure Bianca and you share something in common, but also maybe something different in terms of what your values are about life and family and all of that. But etiquette is something I can actually teach. It's sort of like teaching how to drive or teaching how to, I don't know, how to dress, uh, something that you can be taught and if you want to be taught, of course. Uh, so it's just instructions on what to do, where to do, and how to do it. This is actually the real benefit to to teaching etiquette because I kind of mm -hmm. had this impression before you were kind of raised into the environment or the family or the lifestyle, and you were brought up in that way to have a certain set of manners. Whilst that is true to a certain extent, you can build on that, you can improve, and that all goes down the line of self-development and the kind of person you want to become uh, goes towards like the amount of effort and all the little things you want to do. And so just from watching your videos, I'm learning so much more and so many different tips to just build on my soft skills. And mm -hmm. so I think that's that's such an interesting career to pursue and and such an interesting thing as well, which I hope our audience will really learn about in terms of learning how to grow and um, just become better persons. But on top of that, you are also an author um, mm -hmm. and you've released two books. So you have one, Your First Etiquette, The Least You Need to Know, and mm -hmm. you have a second, which is Afternoon Tea Etiquette. Uh, so can you tell us a bit about both books? Uh, what are the key topics discussed? How's the process being an author as well? Oh, well, I love I love writing. I love reading. So it's something that I've always loved to do. And because I've been a teacher for such a long time now, um, I've always learned how to simplify the information for students. So for me, it's I don't really like to even my as a, as a person, I don't like listening to someone where they're trying to say something so simple in such a complicated manner that makes you not want to even learn it. So for me as a teacher, I've always found it important to simplify the information in a way that's accessible to everyone and then of course you can go into details and like uh, delve mm -hmm. a bit more but then when you make it accessible and easy to understand people are eager to learn um, so my whole point with writing the book was to make it a accessible to all ages um, it's written in English but I was hoping that it's going to be written in such a simplified English so everyone can like from 10 years old onwards can actually open the book, read it by themselves and understand it. It has a lot of illustrations. The illustrations are different from different books. In the first one, it's more like cartoon style. And the second one is more like drawing styles, more feminine. And the whole idea of, of the first book is sort of like having this book at your coffee table. If you're going to go and have dinner with someone important, you can open the book, skim through and go. If you have, you know, you need to refresh your memory about dress codes, open the book, just skim through and go. It doesn't have much information. It's quite a short book, but it covers everything the least you really need to know when you're out and about to make an impression. And the second book is more specific. It's about an afternoon tea tradition that is in UK. Uh, and it's really just about how to host your own party, the history of the tradition, how to have your tea, um, what's the right order of having it. And um, when I was taking the course, we had an entire day dedicated to that. And apparently we were told that Queen Elizabeth, when she meets someone or Back in the days when they would meet their, you know, brides-to-be, they would invite them over to an afternoon tea and see how they're behaving there. Mm -hmm. This was like a test of manners. Uh, so I decided if anyone wants to meet the queen for an afternoon tea, they can just have this book and read it yeah. and be ready for it. 
it's it's lovely it's fun it's easy it's accessible and it's mm -hmm. kind of like i was thinking it could be a good gift for someone's birthday party or I don't know, something fun and exciting like that. I feel like I need to order them as well and just have them ready to go. It's a life hack for everyone listening. You never know. That. You never know. You never know. You have to be prepared. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Always, always. Um, so just deep diving a little bit more into um, etiquette. What would you say are a few basic etiquette principles that everyone should have? Oh, it's so difficult. I don't know where even to start. But I would say I think I'm going to keep it um, as brief as possible in terms of what I think. So, of course, etiquette has a lot of different aspects to it, like hygiene, grooming, dress codes, mm -hmm. um, dining etiquette, I don't know, being a guest, being a host. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different roles that you have to fulfill in a society. And for each role, you have a certain like guidelines of how to behave. But I think for me, primarily, the most important thing that I see every day that is not fulfilled is really, first and foremost, greetings. It's so important to greet people when you meet and see them, even if you uh, don't have the time to have a chat, just to acknowledging their presence. Greeting is really acknowledging that you've seen the person and you are acknowledging their presence. Not greeting means that you are ignoring their existence. And as a teacher, I always tell my students that you need to know who needs to greet whom because we're walking down a corridor, they're staring in my eye and not saying hello, expecting me to greet them first. The order is always that the younger should be greeting the elder ones. No matter what the difference is, I don't know, two years, five years, you have to greet the older person. If we're talking about position in terms of the work, if it's business etiquette and you're in a business environment, then someone who is um, like in your hierarchical position who is lower than you has to greet someone who is higher. So obviously a vice president would be greeting president. I don't know, an assistant would be uh, greeting the vice president. So it's it goes in an order of your position and that's it doesn't matter what your gender is. If we're talking about social etiquette and it's between women and men, then always men should greet women first. So sometimes you could see a guy just staring in your eyes and waiting for you to say hello, which is not what it's supposed to be in a social environment. It should be men greeting women. Uh, so knowing just that is so important, is greeting and acknowledging each other's existence and also understanding different types of greetings in different cultures. Uh, a lot of the times uh, men from West might approach someone from uh, Middle East, a woman from Ido Middle East, and extend their hand for a handshake, which is something not acceptable in the Middle Eastern culture. And they'll get a point where they're like feeling awkward because she won't extend her hand back. And that will going to cause something such an uncomfortable position for both of them. So knowing who needs to extend hand to whom is also so important. Of course, in times of COVID, this is not very relevant. But hopefully when things get back to normal, it's an important way of greeting. That's a handshake. And you should know that women should extend her hand for a handshake. That, therefore, giving the right for a man to shake her hand. Oh, um, yeah. It's in a social environment. But if we're talking about business, then if you're meeting someone for business, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you're a woman or a man. Uh, it, what matters is your position, so mm -hmm. relative to each other. If you are someone who is lower, then you can't extend your hand first. You have to wait for the senior one to extend their hand. Um, this is sort of giving them the, giving them the decision to either want to shake your hand or not. 
when you extend your hand, you kind of say, you have to shake my hand. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's their decision, mm -hmm. who is senior to you, to make that decision to extend their hand or not. So really understanding this and not putting yourself in an awkward situation, but also not putting someone in front of you in an awkward situation is so important. Um, and understanding which culture respects personal space and which doesn't. Uh, mm -hmm. Some cultures handshake in a very close, intimate space, and then others have a distance. And you have to know which culture representative or which culture that person is to know where you should be standing when you're handshaking. So really small details here and there, just saying thank you, holding the door, um, knowing who needs to go up and down the stairs. Um, so all of the things are so important uh, mm -hmm. and respecting that is so important to make sure that you don't cause any misunderstanding that's something that might get in your way into future relationship or future you know development of partnership so it's really mm -hmm. important to know all these tricks yeah wow that's i just feel like there's so many small things that you know mm -hmm. a lot of people don't even take into account that can be improved on on a day-to-day -day basis but I was actually wondering just a, one thing that popped into my mind. How do you um, do you actually teach different cultures and how to really, um, you know, how to adapt to different cultures across the globe? Or how do you go about that topic? So actually, I was taught um, we call it the standard, but I don't mm -hmm. think I don't think it's right to say standard because who is there to establish those standards? What I was taught mm -hmm. is the international social etiquette, which is the etiquette that applies to everyone when representative of different cultures sit at one table, let's say at G8 summit, or they sit together at a diplomatic reunion. Now it doesn't matter if you're Indian, if you're Chinese, if you're Japanese, if you're Azerbaijani or English, what matters is we kind of follow a common set of guidelines of behavior. Therefore, kind of being uniform in a way and expecting knowing what the next move is going to be. If everyone behaves like they behave in their culture, it's going to be very difficult to get around at one table. So what I teach is I teach them to be ready to go for an international summit or dinner or lunch where it's a diplomatic gathering or it's a business company that has different guests from all over the world or clients and they're having dinner or they're behaving with each other at this kind of setting. Though I do um, teaching them about different cultures and different ways of greetings and different ways of, you know, handling your business card. For example, in the Middle East, um, you're only allowed to hand in your business card with your right hand because your left hand is considered to be dirty one. So handing in someone with a left hand might be such an insult that it can even ruin the relationship before you even get to start. So knowing these little details, like what to serve, what not to serve, you know, observing the religious and all the other cultures and traditions and values of people when you're serving them dinner or when you're greeting them is important. Mm. I think that's so interesting, especially in London. We live in such like a multicultural city. You come across people mm -hmm. from all different cultures on a daily basis almost. I think that's not only like when you go and travel, I try to look in advance as to what the culture is like. Are there certain things I can, cannot wear? How do I, you know, approach people, things like this? But also it's very true on a day-to-day -day basis where, you know, in London, I come across people from many different nationalities.
Actually, that's very good that you raised that point because I always tell my students because, of course, I don't know a lot of the details and, you know, some Africa, maybe tribes that I have never been there or taught anyone from there that because I have a lot of international students. So something that I might be missing, they might be teaching me. For example, I had Middle Eastern students that were teaching me on their traditional uh, wear and what the little differences were about because I wasn't educated on that. So I'm always learning myself from my students as well. Um, about the intricacies of their own cultures and uh, something that I always tell my students if in case you are in complete doubt you don't know what you're mm-hmm. going to do and anything about that culture always get yourself a little book like a little travel book about you know the common food what people do like a little cultural thing that you can learn you can actually now find everything online and sort of prepare yourself in advance to the kind of people you're going to be meeting and that shows how much you, you respect them it shows that you care for them it reminds me of um, Sex in the City when <laughs> they go to Abu Dhabi and I think Miranda has a little book and she reads about all the different yeah. cultures and she's like guys cover your shoulders come on <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely. She's ahead of her time yeah. yeah ahead of her time etiquette instructor Miranda the etiquette instructor yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's something that we have actually forgotten. I remember when I was a kid, every time we would travel somewhere with my parents, my mom would buy a book and she'd actually buy a little vocabulary, like dictionary as well, with like basic phrases. And the funny part was they would speak to us. We would say those words, but we wouldn't understand what they're saying back. So I don't know why she bought those books. But uh, the whole idea was, you know, learning little phrases here and there, learning about culture, something that over time we actually forgot to do. And we haven't been doing this really. And now as an adult, I'm actually reincorporating that into my life. So now when I travel somewhere, if I'm not aware of the culture, I'm going to read about it. And I love the point as well about what your mom did, because I think even though you don't understand when they do talk back, at least it actually shows you are appreciating the culture and paying attention and making an effort to learn. Yeah, that's true. But then she actually got me enrolled into a lot of languages um, because I remember where as a kid we traveled to Spain and France and because we didn't understand anything, she was like, my kids are, need to learn French and Spanish. So when we came back, she got us tutors and she made us learn the languages. So, yeah. yeah, you speak many languages as well. How does it help you to build up your confidence? I can't stress this enough, how much it changes your the way you feel about around other people because sort of knowing etiquette means you know in advance what you have to do and what other people are expected to do so it's sort of like you're in a little theater and you already know how you're going to be acting and the person who acts the best an actor who does the best job is the one who has rehearsed the most that's like everyone says that so in a way when you step in a society you're playing a role of a student a mother a teacher a professional in your field So when you have rehearsed already in your mind and in your body as well, what you're going to be doing in that setting, it helps you really get rid of that extra anxiety that will nevertheless be there because you're meeting new people and trying to make an impression. And I always say that you can see who's nervous at a dinner or at lunch when they don't know what to do with their fork and knife. And their only thoughts are, what am I going to do? What am I eating? How am I holding? But when you have practiced this a lot at home, you can just sit back, relax, enjoy your lunch, talk to people without having to stress out about what are you doing? Are you doing it correctly? Mm. Did you have to do this or not? So it's not just about eating, but it's about how to stand, how to present yourself. If you know that you are the 
first one to extend your hand for handshake, you will be doing it confidently, not hesitantly. Like, am I supposed to extend my hand or not? What am I doing? Is it right? Is it not? So it takes away those extra thoughts that you have anyways uh, when knowing how to act in a given environment. Mm-hmm. And, and in etiquette, the most important rule is not to stand out not in a bad or a good way because standing out also in a good way when everyone else is doing something completely in a different way might make you look like either a snob or that you're actually not doing it right um mm-hmm. it's funny when we were being taught when we we're in etiquette school we were taught how to eat a banana apparently you have to slice it with fork and knife open slit take off the thing and eat it with fork and knife so imagine you're at a dinner and everyone is like peeling the banana with their hands and you're there with fork and knife you're just gonna stand out but not in a good way so it's important to learn to blend in when necessary so keep away all your knowledge you have about etiquette and how to eat banana right but if you're in a setting where everyone is eating with fork and knife you're comfortable and confident you're continuing doing like everyone else and you're having your conversation yeah. i love that example that's a good tip actually i'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to think about this more. You know, it's really interesting because when when you talk us through these different things, it makes me think about life and how, you know, how we're perceived. And it's just really, really important for us to put our best foot forward. Um, and it's just I used to think it was just about, you know, doing the small things like, you know, opening the door, that kind of thing. But there's also so many more intricate things that you can, you know, build into your life. But I wanted to ask you how, what do you usually teach to your student in as the best way to keep track of all these things? How do you remember all these things? Like, is there a a good way to do this if you're just beginning with etiquette or what would you suggest? Well, I always say that it's all about, it's like sort of if you're doing yoga, uh, in the first, in the beginning, you're so clumsy, you're doing it in such a funny way, and you see your instructor just doing all these crazy things, and you're like, what are you? Are you even a human? And then over a year time, when you're doing it consistently, you start, first, you're so conscious about it. You pay attention to every movement and every, you know, every turn, every breathing and breathe out. But over time, it becomes something a part of you you kind of do it a bit unconsciously of course in a moment you're breathing you're present but sometimes but your body muscles remember what to do in order like one after the other and uh so i think etiquette is just like training your mind and your body and your behavior according to the rules that you have been learning it's a very mm-hmm. conscious process it's much easier when you're a child to be brought in that environment because mm-hmm. you're observing it like a little sponge but over time when you've learned a certain way and now you have unlearned it and learn a new way it's going to take a while and that's why i say in my channel that it's becoming a better version of yourself which means mm-hmm. you really want to want to become a better version of yourself first be conscious about it and really try and really put an effort to become a better person in your daily life, in your, you know, I don't know, be becoming a better uh, professional, becoming a better mother, becoming anything better, whatever you're doing that you are. Uh, so I think it's really about being conscious, being willing to do so and doing it on a constant basis, not just when you're out and meeting your friends, but trying it at home first. It's like trying in new shoes, breaking them in. Mm-hmm. Try at home over and over, over and over until it becomes a part of your daily habit. And then when you're out there, what you've rehearsed at home, practice in public. And then over time, in a year time, you won't even notice how it becomes a part of who you are. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
I, I actually have never learned how to drive. And it was only this year that I learned how to drive. It has been on my list to do forever. And in the beginning, the first month, I was so stressed out because I thought, how am I going to be able to, how do people talk and drive? How do people listen to music and drive? It's impossible. Yeah. Like you have yeah. to be called so concentrated. <laughs> and really after a while, after a month, I noticed that I actually started listening to what person was telling next to me. I started to put on some music. I was already driving. I think I was conscious. I mean, I was attentive, mm -hmm. but somehow my body was just doing what it had to do. And I think etiquette is just like that. It's learning how to live. It's learning how to drive. Yeah. That's the beauty of routine yeah. in a way. Like when you feed yourself something enough, I think it's also quite similar with just really being able to practice things over time. I mean, if you have, if you have a difficulty learning something new at work, if you, if you do it every single day soon, it will be like second nature. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. yeah, I definitely agree. Absolutely. We are humans. We're like, we are creatures of habits, actually. I, I read mm -hmm. this book recently that I truly love, which is called Atomic Habits. It's an mm -hmm. amazing book. If you guys haven't read it, please do. I but have, if you yeah. have, then okay. you already know what I'm talking about. We really are creatures of habits, something that we have been infiltrated ever since we were kids. We were taught what to do. And then other things we have accumulated for our friends and family and school. So, really, everything that we do is a part of habit. And why not break the bad habit and incorporate a new one? Mm -hmm. And I think etiquette is just about trying to become a better you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually have just another question that I thought of right now. Something that I see often is that people have very limiting beliefs in themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I know that this builds over time, but um, as for me, over the past few years, I've given myself this mentality where I think if I want to change something, I can change it. I can become a new version of myself. I can do new things. I can develop. But some people are really stuck in their ways and just feel like, I am this. I cannot be anything else. I'm going to stay here. What would you say is the first few steps to get yourself, if you feel like you're stuck in that place where you can't be anything else than what you already are, how do you move forward and become a better version of yourself? How do you start? Well, I think a lot of the reason why people are so limiting themselves is because A, either we've been told that when we were little that you can't you are who you are like you can't change it um mm -hmm. of course there's some, some things you're born with like i don't know if you have good hair if you have good i don't know um skin or mm -hmm. you have a good figure whatever it is that you're born with or good teeth it's something mm -hmm. you were given by nature of course you can work on it to take care of it more but some people are born with a better one than you are for example or you are better than the other person but that's something we mm -hmm. understand is inborn i think building a character of course some things are inborn some people are more persistent some people are more stubborn um, though when you bring in the consciousness and you you can actually learn to unlearn or to suppress it and work on a better version of yourself so i think it's it's a very conscious and it's a very difficult process because it takes like you are challenging yourself i think that's the most difficult challenge anyone can take on um with regards to people that think that way is like i am who i am like i don't want to even try i think it's usually people who have given up on themselves so it comes from the inner child that is is either upset or sad or things that is not loved I think it comes usually from that kind of a mentality and first you need to understand show that person that they are loved and that you truly want them to be better version of themselves for themselves 
first mm -hmm. and then you can introduce it in a very loving way and if it's you who is the support team then you do it with a lot of love and care um, but if you if the person is on their own I think the only way you can help yourself is to get inspired because nothing comes out when you are feeling jealous over someone's success or someone being a better looking or having a better body and hating them for having that it comes when you really let yourself be inspired by their success and then be like wow I want to be like her because look at her she's achieved so much um and mm -hmm. i talk about it in my youtube video that you know learning to be inspired is such an amazing skill to have mm -hmm. instead of filling up with jealousy and thinking why she had that has that she probably did a cosmetic surgery or she probably mm -hmm. doesn't eat anything no maybe this person has good eating habits that made them be this way you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that is when you're open to becoming a better version mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually a key word is being inspired by other people and especially by like yeah. the social circle you surround yourself with. I've Absolutely. learned that time and time again. It's so important for my self-development to be around people who want to be better, want to improve um, and want to do things that are aligned with my values. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a healthy feeling to, to feel like you want to be like someone else in a better way. I don't think it's really comparing. The, comparing is when you're like, oh, she has it. Why does she has it? I need to have it too. Mm -hmm. It's like, how the hell does she has it? It sort of comes from a really negative feeling is like, why her and not me? Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes that hatred can actually bring you down. You don't let yourself be inspired by her success, but you have so many negative feelings that it's going to bring you even down more. Mm -hmm. um, and when, but you, when you feel inspired, you're like, oh, look at her. She's so amazing. I want to be like her. I'm so inspired by her. You feed yourself those good emotions and that, that helps you feel like fueled and you're like I'm gonna do this too like I'm gonna learn too and um, there's so many people I feel inspired by and I'm never shy to tell them about that I am always messaging people saying oh you have inspired me so much because I feel like it's part of the process and people love hearing that yeah I think that's really nice that's very true <laughs> but so I want to talk a bit about your YouTube channel actually because that's a big part of how now you're getting more discovered and your content is being able to be shared but so I know you've mentioned, you know, you didn't start as an influencer, you started because you wanted to just teach others and give people access to the content that they wouldn't otherwise get. And also because of teaching and the fact that you couldn't do it anymore physically for the time being. In a short space of time, you have managed to accumulate like a very impressive amount of followers. Can you tell us a little bit about your YouTube journey? And was it what you expected? How did you grow? What For the people who don't know you, like maybe mm -hmm. a bit about the kind of videos and content that you share there as well. Yeah, and that wasn't a conscious process. I am not a social, like I've never been really big on social media uh, because I've always been teaching and doing like uh, workshops uh, and writing the book. So, but then it's like circumstances in life just brought me with an idea of actually doing a video and uploading it on YouTube so then I can share it to my classes, um, not only like in, in school that I'm teaching, but also abroad when I have individual private workshops, I can send the video, they can look at it, and then we can discuss it and further like practice at home. Uh, so it's something that came out with like 
in, ter- in terms of like circumstances, maybe the not so great circumstances brought the idea, but somehow it 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 was. I think in the beginning I uploaded it like I don't remember. It was like March or something, and I didn't upload anything until June and July. So my second video actually came out like I don't know four or five months later on, mm-hmm. and then it was summertime. I was like I should do more videos about self development, and I started uploading more videos, and then. I think it was September and October. I actually wasn't checking my YouTube. A friend of mine who is someone I actually admire a lot. She's quite a uh, famous blogger and she's a podcaster as well here in Azerbaijan. She sent me a screenshot with the number of the subscribers that I have. And she was like, no way. I was like, what? And she was like, look. And I was actually, my parents had no idea that I had YouTube until October. That's I think when I reached my like a certain amount of subscribers and no one knew because because we weren't really following. I was just uploading and leaving there. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I got emails on my phone with some comments. And usually, I don't know why the negative ones were coming to my phone. And I would always respond to people that would write to me. So I think that's what got people into like actually watching the videos and commenting is because I was always responding. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that there were all the other comments there that I wasn't getting on my phone. Um, I don't know how it happened. I don't know what the secret is, but I guess because my content is so different from everything else on YouTube, um, I think because I try to make it as visually accessible as possible, I try to explain everything in such um, accessible manner. I think that's what people's attention, like they got the interested in what I was doing. Actually, it's now a little bit over 400,000 subscribers. Um, So 100,000 more to half a million. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what was the, what actually I know which video actually got the the attention is the dining etiquette video. It's the one that has the most views. And then I see a lot of like followers now sending me um, and I love getting these messages. You know, I got my interview after I watched your interview etiquette video. I had a client meeting. I knew how to behave at table. He was so impressed. Like all these really amazing messages that make me so happy. And I try to respond to most of them if I have a chance. I try to, you know, respond, especially to the good ones. I now don't respond to negative ones, by the way. Uh, I used I used to do that. I used to respond to negative ones and try to explain myself. But then I was like, I don't have time to that. So I just focus on the good things and I respond to people who have questions and I write thank you to people who appreciate my work. And the negative ones, I either just leave them there or I just delete them because I don't want to see. Yeah. I mean, it's a good way to protect yourself. If someone is coming at you with just a pure negative comment, it's not yeah. going to you know, put anything positive into your life. Of course, if it's constructive criticism, then it's something I mean, I've had this before, where if it's constructive, I'm like, okay, you know, I'll take that into account. Mm -hmm. And I'll work on that. But if it's just hatred, then it's better just to delete block remove absolutely Absolutely. because sometimes you do this hard work you upload a video of like 30 something minutes explaining something to them that's usually expensive to attend and then they would be like oh look at her skinny legs and it's like out of everything that you could have seen on this video the only thing that you saw were my skinny legs Uh, and you really don't know what people are going through or what kind of challenges they have so saying like oh why are you so skinny eat more food or are you and I at first I was really getting offended I was like why are they saying this and then I just realized like if that's the only message they had to tell me after watching all of that then I really don't have time for these people so I just started to delete Mm -hmm. 
all the negative ones. And I recommend it to anyone who wants yeah. to build a social presence is it's your account. And honestly, when people say, why did you delete my comment? Like I was just saying how skinny you are. Uh, I just mm-hmm. stopped even responding to that. I just deleted. It's my personal platform. And if I don't want you to be on that platform, I will not let you be there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it, it's in a way people think that it, you're opening your life to them and inviting everyone, but it's not like that. Uh, you also are a person with heart and emotions. And mm-hmm. if you don't have, you wouldn't dare to say that to me in person, why do you dare to say this online to me? Um, mm-hmm. So exactly. I think that is the, one thing that people maybe don't expect going into this kind of industry because unfortunately it really shouldn't be like this you do have to develop thick skin especially I feel like certain channels are a bit more difficult than others like I know YouTube because of the fact that you let them in on so much and you talk a lot therefore Mm -hmm. even though you don't necessarily speak about the details of your life that does happen and like we mentioned previously that happens for other reasons like personal difficulties in the person who's commenting this their life maybe jealousy maybe just being like not as comfortable in their skin and so therefore for you and as a creator it's it's not reflective at all but the best thing is when you actually get those positive comments from people saying that Mm. you know they got the job from your video and I think that's the whole purpose of the content and doing what you do and sharing it and that's I can imagine like that's such a nice message to receive. It's like it's the, well, probably the only reason why I am still doing it and taking the time off from work to actually shoot those videos because I know it's helping to so many people that don't have access to this kind of information or because these courses are usually very expensive. I do also teach online and I do international workshops where, of course, my courses are more expensive. But I also wanted to have a platform or a meeting where I could share this information for people that really want to learn but don't know where to go or don't have the means to attend. So mm-hmm. and when they say thank you and when they say it has helped them in a good way to change their life, I think I'm contributing to something greater than just like financial account of mine. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. That's amazing. So one last thing that we really wanted to ask you is that we know that all of our followers they're really really you know involved in self-development but they also love fashion Mm -hmm. so we wanted to ask you what are some of your staple pieces that you think everyone should have in their wardrobe and really contributes to this whole you know the whole messaging of self-development and putting yourself together and making sure you know you look you look the part of what you want to reflect out to the world Mm -hmm. Well, staple pieces. Um, I actually, th- I'm a very, very minimalist in my style. Um, also because um, I'm, I don't know, I think it's something that I grew up like wanting to have less in terms of what I wear. I do like jewelry and I love accessories and things like that. But I don't, I when I put them together, I try to kind of have a balance. Um, and that's number one. <laughs> For me, a minimalist look is always looks more expensive than, you know, a lot of things on you uh, because it then distracts the attention from all the kind of things. So you kind of want to draw the attention to a particular item that you're wearing. It might be a piece of jewelry, earrings, ring, whatever it is. Uh, in terms of style, I would say pick the colors and, and the cuts and the fits that fit your body uh, type as well as your skin complexion as well as their undertone i've done actually videos about that on youtube um but in terms of my personal style i like the very basic color which is black navy and blue and white um 
so not navy, but like more not blue, more navy. Uh, so those are the three colors I love the most, and they suit me the most. I really like the beige and grays, but they don't look very good on me because of my skin undertone. Um, so choosing the right colors for you, and then working around them with the cuts that suit you. So for me, it's a pair of jeans because I'm a mom. I've mentioned this before. Uh, it's a white t-shirt because uh, I work as a teacher. I need a white t-shirt at every moment. I can pair it up with jeans, um, black pants, uh, so work pants, um, uh, definitely a blazer because I need it. I can dress it down or dress it up. A nice black dress. I know everyone says it, but I'm obsessed with black dress. I have it in all different shapes and forms. Uh, so a black dress, um, a turtleneck, which I really, really love. Uh, I love it for autumn and winter and under the blazer or not with a leather jacket, anything really. Um, and um, let me see. So, and a white polo, like a, not polo, but like a white t-shirt uh, that you can dress up or dress down with blazer or without with jeans or the work actually work pants as well uh, mm -hmm. with a lace jacket so I kind of have like some pieces that suit me really really well and I know whenever I wear them I look good so mm -hmm. I just have minimized my wardrobe to things that really suit me uh, so I don't have to think twice when I'm dressing up in the morning mm -hmm. I love that actually like a simple wardrobe <laughs> is a key to focus on other things other greater things um, I actually love Absolutely. that Absolutely. It's all, it's, it's like the thing that has been practiced by all the, by all the successful people, uh, like Steve Jobs and actually I only brought him as an example, but, um, really, uh, it minimizes the time you spend early in the morning getting dressed up, but also it's really about creating a, a staple look that people recognize you by. And I actually really love it because mm -hmm. sometimes I see people that are emulating my style and I mm -hmm. love seeing it actually, because I think it's so cute, especially in school, the girls, my oh. students, when I meet with them and I see them, like they're slowly starting to incorporate things and dressing the same way. And it's kind of cute and funny that I can influence them in that way because I don't consider myself a fashion influencer but I guess in a way they get influenced by what I'm wearing as well <laughs> that's amazing because I think if it's the whole person overall that is that influences somebody it's every aspect because they want to try to you know dig into like okay what makes them so inspiring and how can I take a part of that and so it's it's really everything down to like the behavior and the words and how you speak to your outfit so yeah, I think they go hand in hand. It's a total look. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's podcast episode with Jamila Musaeva. We hope you loved this episode and found it insightful. If you want to learn more about etiquette, make sure to check out Jamila's platforms. We'll link everything in the description. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.